This program is sponsored by Dave Stahl. It's time to get educated on your Second Amendment rights. Welcome to two full hours of Gun Owners Radio. Your hosts, Dave Stahl, Joe Dramisi, and Michael Schwartz, will teach you about firearms, self-defense, and the laws that affect your rights to keep and bear arms. Visit GunOwnersRadio.com with questions to learn how to become a sponsor of Gun Owners Radio and get involved. Together, we will win. Now here's your hosts, Dave Stahl, Joe Dramisi, and Michael Schwartz on The Answer San Diego. All right, folks. Hey, welcome. You are listening to Gun Owners Radio, FM 961, AM 1170. The answer. Nice. All right. Hey, if you have legal matters that involve firearms, then you need to call our attorney, John Dillon. Especially if you have questions on red flag laws, gun registration, gun transportation, or maybe you just need to know that your guns are California compliant. Call our trusted firearms attorney, John Dillon. John Dillon specializes in California gun laws. Call 760-642-7150 or visit his website at dillonlawgp.com. All right, we have a prize winner. If you have Gun Owners Radio prize pack coming to you, all he did is he went to the website, which is Sandy, uh, which is uh, GunOwnersRadio.com, GunOwnersRadio.com. Signed up for our newsletter. If you want to win, join the Gun Owners Radio newsletter. It comes out once a week. Um, and if you join, you are eligible to win a super cool sticker patches, other goodies, prize pack. This week's winner is Russ <laughs> Dwarzashaki. I, I'm sure I nailed that. Oh, I'm sure you were going to give that one to me. <laughs> Uh, we want to welcome Leo Hamill Fine Jewelers. They're a brand new sponsor for us. So you're going to hear all about Leo Hamill Fine Jewelers. Of course, Leo Hamill was a founding board member, a founding board member of San Diego County Gun Owners and uh, has uh, the best best jewelry shop in all of San Diego. Hey, everybody, I have some breaking news. So like so you, we've been talking about. Uh, I just got a message from uh, from from a mole. We'll say uh, there was a meeting uh, today f- with a group called the North County Patriots, and one of the things they did is they had uh, Hammerling, the anti-gun gun grabber uh, candidate for sheriff. Um, he was giving a talk, and here's the question he was asked. Uh, this is quote unquote. This is what's being reported to me. So if it's not exact, this is what's being reported to me. The question was to Hammerling: You've said that you want to make San Diego quote unquote shall issue when it comes to CCWs. Michael Schwartz from San Diego County Gun Owners is the expert, and he explained to me that the only way to do that is ignore the state's quote proof of good co- proof of good cause requirement. If you do that, you'll be breaking the law and put the entire CCW program in jeopardy of being shut down since San Diego County Gun Owners has already fixed the CCW program and everyone can already get a CCW. Why wouldn't you just follow the current CCW policies that we have worked so hard to put in place? That was the question. Um, He says uh, that the answer that he gave that's being reported to me is that there are already four other counties that are shall issue. I'm He's going to have to prove that because I don't know what he's talking about. That's impossible, number one. Uh, Number two, uh, he said that uh, the state can't shut it down because he's the authority. Guys, 
do not vote for Hemmerling. Yes, five. He is an absolute <laughs> blithering idiot. He does. I don't know if he's incompetent or you know. I don't know if it's incompetence or malfeasance. You know, malfeasance being is he trying to ruin things? Because I mean, he's look. He's the sec. He's the right hand man of an extremist anti gun person, Mara Elliott, and now he's coming out with gun violence restraining orders, and he's he's coming out with this quote unquote plan. To uh, to that'll in effect do exactly what this person said, uh, ruin the CCW program. We cannot be shall issue. I wish we could, but state law says it's a requirement that says, hey, you have to have proof of good cause. And as soon as you uh, you know put implement that, if you have to have proof of good cause, there is no way by definition you can be shall issue. It's always may issue, even if we've taken you know we've taken all the obstacles away from that shall issue from the uh, uh, proof of good cause. So there is no obstacle, right? You can get every and no one's getting turned down due to good cause. We're still not shall issue, and he can't make a shall issue. And the only way to make a shall issue is to not comply with state law. Now his question if he does that california doj is going to come in and revoke uh, uh, permits and probably shut down the program now he says they can't do that because he has the authority guess what gives him that authority doj the, the state yeah the, the exact same penal code where it says hey you know what sheriff you're the one that has the authority to issue ccws they also say you have to have proof of good cause you have to i, I want to get rid of that and we should get rid of that but the sheriff can't just decide to get rid of that, especially in the state of California. He is going to completely screw this thing up. And I've explained this to him on the phone, talked to him, straight, told him exactly what's going on. You know, and it's not a matter of, well, gee, Mike, maybe he's just using uh, terminology that, you know, he doesn't understand, blah, blah, blah. He is an attorney. In fact, he's a prosecutor. He absolutely, absolutely knows that words have meaning, especially in the legal world. And one legal term, shall issue, as opposed to may issue, there's a very, very uh, um, distinct uh, difference between the two. Exactly. It's defined. So, guys, you've got to reject this guy. I don't don't care what letter he has in front of his name, whether he's a Republican, Democrat, I know he's the endorsed Republican. I know that it's easy to get wrapped up in the idea that Republicans are always right and Democrats are always wrong. You know, but it's it's this is going to screw us all completely up. And he's not even trying to be good at this. He's not even trying uh, to, uh, you know, to do this right. So I think that he went in front of a group called the North County Patriots and he thought he'd throw him some red meat and say, hey, we're going to make you shall issue um, in hopes of, you know, getting them all riled up. So what did the group say after he answered that question or do you know? That I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm sure I, most people probably got all excited. You know, it's a very, it's, you know, it's it's a it's it's a nuanced thing. You know, this is something, and, and it's not surprising. You know, I've been working on this for oh about a decade now. You know, we helped solve this problem. Mm-hmm. Where was he? You know, why doesn't he know this? Because where was he when we were fixing this problem? He was out grabbing guns. He was out expanding gun violence restraining orders. So he's basically, this is just another way for him to complete what he set out to do. Could sounds be, like. You sounds know, like. That could be. That's the thing. I don't know if it's if it's incompetence or malfeasance. Because what happens, let's say he gets voted in uh-huh. and he pulls this off right. and the DOGA comes in and says, all right, well, you, you guys are done. So if What's it, he say then? Oh, I'm really sorry. I had no idea. Yeah, exactly. Well, 
if if he gets into office and he tries to get rid of you know if he says hey we're going to be shall issue and he and he stops complying, um, you know, uh, then uh, that's that's malfeasance. That that's him being something right. doing something right. bad and wrong. If he gets into office and says, "Oh, you know what? Turns out I can't do this. Talk to county council. Can't do this." Then you know that's incompetence. Either way, don't vote for him. <laughs> so doesn't the sheriff um, get to interpret the good cause? So they yeah. say you have to show good cause. You have to have proof of good cause, right? And proof of good good cause is that not if they say, "Okay, self defense," and if the sheriff says, "Hey, that's proof of good cause," then you're good. Joe, so, Joe, you understand the policy better than John Hammerling does. But I mean, is that is that what he's saying? He just doesn't. He's just not Jackson saying it correctly. It because there are it, there are counties in this state that accept just self defense. Right? So if cause. he's saying that and he doesn't understand it, it's it's then then he, it's he's incompetent because <laughs> we sat down and and talked about. It. He and I spoke about this. I told him exactly why he has to change what he's saying about ccws I explained it to him and here he is in front of a group of people it's about two weeks later we had this conversation two weeks ago and he refuses to change he refuses to understand what did you really think he was going to change you know i'm a glasses half full guy i really you know I, it's just bad. i honestly part of me so we endorsed uh, and we'll come out with our uh, we're going to come out with our voter guide uh, soon but we endorsed kelly martinez part of me thought i can't believe i just helped i corrected him because now he's going to go around and say things correctly but he's not he's not even good enough a candidate to go to to correct himself after he's been corrected mm. do not vote for john hammerling guys if you value your ccws if you value your guns don't vote for john hammerling don't vote for john hammerling don't vote for john hammerling and, and that in- was the breaking news and in case you didn't catch it don't vote for John Hammerling. Hey, but don't touch that dial. Larry Barnes is up next, a.k.a. Lanny Oakley on the gram right here on FM 96.1. AM 1170. The Answer. All right, folks, welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The answer. Well, self-defense. Oh, 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 oh. There you go, bud. Go for it. Running and gunning since 1999, Lanny Barnes is next. But first, self-defense and emergencies can happen to anyone, and there's no guarantee that the justice system will be on your side. Make sure you are protected for the legal battle after your self-defense battle. While you protect your family and property, U.S. Law Shield is here to defend you 24-7, 365 days a year with a comprehensive self-defense coverage at affordable price. Bad guys don't take days off, and neither does our coverage. Listeners, you can get a free T-shirt when you use the promo code GUNOWNERSRADIO. You just have to sign up today. Go to uslawshield.com. All right. Our guest today, Lanny Barnes, also known as Lanny Oakley. She is a three-time Olympic biathlete, professional three-gunner, artist, public speaker, chef, um, and she's been uh, she's been a, 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 a professional uh, competitor since 1999. So we, had, we wanted to have her come on the show and talk to us a little bit about her career. You bring on a chef and you don't have her in here cooking? Yeah, I know, right? Lanny, how you doing? 
I'm doing great, guys. I, I wish I was there to cook you guys something, uh, but I'm <laughs> on the other side of the country. Where, where are you out of? Uh, I just pulled into Georgia. I'm I'm from Colorado, but I'm I'm heading to uh, South Carolina for a an event. Oh wow, a shooting event. Uh, it's actually a trade show, and then uh, got a shooting event in in Florida over the weekend. Oh, cool! Wow. Putting some miles on your car. Yeah. <laughs> yep. How how much do you, how much do you travel for uh, for your shooting events? You know, I I travel a lot. I'm on the road quite a bit, um, but you know, it's it's one of the the perks of the job to be able to travel around and meet so many wonderful people. Now, how do you do that? How do you set up your your your, your calendar? Like, how do you know where to go and and you know which competitions? I mean, it seems like every town with a range has a competition and. You know, some of them are, you know, real informal and some of them are, are pretty important. You know, how is that determined? Which ones you go to and which ones you, you, you pass? You know, I, I usually set up my schedule at least a, a year in advance um, just because it it can get get pretty busy. But um, I just kind of pick the, the matches that uh, interest me the most and are, you know, in my opinion, most challenging and might have the, yeah. you know, the best competition there. That's awesome. And do you do is three three gun? Is that is that what you do most most often? Yeah, yeah. Right now, um, mostly three gun, but a little PCC and and handgun and pretty much everything. <laughs> pretty much everything. What is PCC? Yeah, I, I don't Pistol think I know. Caliber carbine. Pistol caliber car. Oh, okay, okay. So like the uh, what what is your your PCC? Uh, I shoot a JP five, and I uh, really like that thing. Nice. What do you like about it? Uh, I think probably the thing I like the most about it, which I didn't think I would, is the fact that it's so light. I can I can just drive that thing from one target to the other real easily, and it's just it's really fast shooting that thing. Joe, you just bought a PCC, didn't you? Which one did you buy? Yeah, I got a Ruger PCC for my wife. Actually, she shoots that one, and it is definitely not light. That one's heavy, but uh, but then I'm not competing with it either. So, <laughs> but it's a lot of fun to shoot. They're a blast. Very cool. Yeah, I think there's actually uh, the PCC sport is going to help bring in a lot of new shooters and especially women just because there's not a lot of noise and, and it's a lot of fun to shoot. So it should be should be a good one to, for shooting sports. That's cool. How, now, how did you get into all this? Oh, I got, my, my dad was very passionate about hunting and shooting and he had three girls. And, and so he just uh, kind of raised us shooting and hunting and having as much fun as we can. So how did now? How did you how did you transition from hunting? You know, from from just kind of doing it on your own and doing a little hunting. How did you transition to being a, a professional? It's <laughs> a good question. So my twin sister and I, who were uh, competing in small bore prone, we ran into a guy who uh, was working with a U.S. biathlon team. And biathlon is cross country skiing and shooting for those people mm-hmm. who don't know uh, about it. And uh, he said, you know, you you two girls are in the wrong sport. You need something that's a little more active. And he was he was right. And we we tried it out and absolutely fell in love with it. And uh, for us, it was as close to hunting on skis as you get in the Olympics because biathlon originated as a form of hunting on skis. And uh, just the combination of the two sports, you know, endurance and then the skill sport of shooting. Uh, just really hooked us. I think honestly, I think the only reason I know about the biathlon is uh, what was that? There was a James Bond movie where which <laughs> you, yep. which one was that? Which one? Which one had the biathlon? And which which James Bond was that? You know, I don't remember which one it is, but one of the ones either. with Sean Connery. 
I think. Oh, was it? I I thought it was one of the I thought it was one of the ones with Roger. I'll have to look that up. I'll have to yeah, look it up. Uh, anyway, that's a good one. So, what was it like competing? You were actually a three-time Olympic biathlete. What was it like uh, competing in that in that in that at that league? Uh, you know, it's one of those sports that's very unforgiving. But um, like I said, when when the two sports come together, there's no no better feeling in the world. And and uh, to be able to represent your country, uh, there's, in my opinion, there's no greater honor. So, talk about it. Like, what exactly happened? What was your experience? Uh, so I competed in three Olympics, and each one was very, very different. Um, first one was in 2006 in Torino, second one in, in Vancouver in Canada, and third one in Russia, Sochi. And uh, uh, first one was with my twin sister, second one she barely missed making the team, and I had the, the best U.S. finish up until that point, until this Olympic Games. And then um, last one, uh, both my twin sister and I were heavy favorites to make the team, I got sick at the final trial. She rocked it, made the team, and then turned around and gave her spot to me so that I could go. Really? That's that's wow, what a sister. Yeah, definitely. Well now what was it like being around all the other uh what was it like being, you know, I don't think there are a lot of other countries out there that really embrace the shooting sports like like the United States. So what was it like talking no. to the other competitors? You know, being an American. You no, know, it's 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 really weird being in, in biathlon because it, it's actually right now, it's the number one most popular winter sport in Europe. It's surpassed downhill skiing and, and hockey and all those other sports. Um, and it's a, it's a gun sport. <laughs> and the, the Europeans and the International Biathlon Union did a really great job at, at making it um, more of a sport than a gun sport. And uh, they, you know, they made it very spectator friendly. We'll have anywhere from 50 to or 30 to 50,000 spectators watching us. And it's really exciting. And, you know, it's, it's kind of weird going over to Europe and having a huge crowd in a gun sport and then coming back to the U.S. and, you know, maybe getting our parents to come and watch. <laughs> Lanny, when you're competing in a biathlon, um, what are the distances? Because like, you've, you've got to ski and then you have to stop and do some kind of precision shot. So you've got to quiet yourself down and then go again. So what what distances are you skiing and shooting uh, on those things? Yeah, so um, our longest race is about 9 miles, 9, 10 miles, and our shortest is about uh, 5 or 6. And uh, usually we'll do a a lap, which is at least a mile, um, before we can come in to shoot. We carry the the gun on our back like a a backpack, and uh, we ski into the shooting range lay down a mat, uh, shoot prone, and we have five shots uh, for five targets. And if you miss, you have to ski an extra 150 meters, and you're shooting at 50 meters. That's the distance. And it's always the same range that you come back in. So is it, is so it a challenge to quiet your heart down and, and before you can make that shot? Or are you guys in such good shape that it really doesn't go up so it doesn't matter? Well, actually, that's the probably the biggest misconception with biathlon is people think that we get in that zen moment and calm our heart rate down to, you know, like 30 beats per minute. But we actually shoot with a heart rate around 180 beats per minute. <laughs> and uh, the, the reason being is that... Uh, that's my resting heart rate, so... by the way. <laughs> <laughs> this was pretty incredible. But <laughs> biathlon became so popular that um, you didn't have time to, to drop your heart rate. And so if you come in at 180 beats per minute, it actually makes it easier to shoot. And, uh, you know, it sounds funny, but if you think of an EKG, um, 
the, the peaks and valleys, the more time you have between beats, the more barrel movement. So at 180, it's just a tiny little hump. So you have a very, very controlled um, movement at 130, 140. You know, you have that big thud of, of um, time between your heart rate. So it actually, you get more barrel movement. That's interesting. I wouldn't have thought that. We were fooling around the uh, range on Friday, and we were just shooting a little Ruger 1022, but we were shooting at um, Q-tips about 15 yards out and just, just watching, just trying to steady the, uh, just trying to steady the rifle down enough to hit a Q-tip at 15 yards was, uh, was challenging. And I, and I know my heart rate, uh, probably wasn't at 130, but, uh, but, um, still it was challenging to do that. I was really surprised actually. What, what kind of gun are you using when you're, when you're shooting a biathlon? Uh, so in biathlon we use 22 caliber and they're mostly on shoots, um, no one has really made made a rifle that uh, is good enough to compete with on shoots. So they kind of hold monopoly on the biathlon. I don't. It, well, I'm not. I can't quite. You're, it's called on shoot. On shoots. On shoots. Yeah. Okay. I'm yeah, not familiar. It's a German rifle. Oh, cool. Well, the Germans they're very are all about precision and rifles, aren't they? Yep. Well, that's cool. Um, so have you noticed, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, everything that's gone on the last couple of years with COVID and the, you know, the mostly peaceful protests and, uh, you know, everything that's gone on and the chaotic, a little bit of a, of a chaotic uh, uh, world for the last couple of years. So we've had a lot of new gun owners. Have, is that something you've come across when you've been traveling? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I have requests all the time from people for uh, training courses and, and just at, people asking questions on, you know, saying that they they really feel like they need to become a new gun owner and what what should they get and how should they go about learning how to shoot and you know the things like that so i've encountered that quite a bit nice i mean it's exciting right it is yeah and i I think it it can definitely be a good thing and and i really hope that the the new gun owners are you know taking that responsibility of going out and getting the training or or finding someone that can can teach them how to do it properly that's something we work on a lot here in San Diego, for sure. We have a lot of different programs where we've done a lot of outreach to to new shooters in hopes of, you know, gathering as many as we can um, to uh, teach them what they need to know. So, Lanny, we're going to go to uh, we're going to go to break here. We we hang out with us for one more segment. Absolutely. All right, folks. Hey, don't touch that dial. Gun Owners Radio FM ninety six one AM eleven seventy. The answer. Folks, hey, welcome back. You're listening to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The answer. Well, does selling your home feel overwhelming? Well, it doesn't have to be that way with Scott Vinson from Coldwell, Coldwell Banker Royal Realty. Scott Vinson is the perfect guy to help you sell or buy your home. Scott has also been a San Diego County gun owner board member from the start. So if you're moving, let fellow Second Amendment supporter and real estate broker Scott Vinson help you sell your home and find your new home anywhere in the United States. Call him today at 619-948-2459. Tell him that you heard about that or heard about him on Gun Owners Radio. Call Scott at 619-948-2459 or online at Scott Vinson. 
vinsonsoul.com, and that's V-I-N-S-O-N. All right, we're talking to professional three-gunner, artist, public speaker, chef, and three-time Olympic biathlete, Lanny Barnes. Lanny, we got a flood of uh, messages when we were on the air. It uh, people wanted us to know it is it was for your eyes only, and it was uh, that was a Roger Moore uh, uh, movie where they featured the biathlon. So we got we got to the bottom of that, Lanny. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, we can both get some sleep tonight. Oh, good. So we have uh, one of our uh, co-hosts here is Action Jackson. Uh, How old are you, Jackson? Eight. He's eight years old. Every week he goes, just about every week, he goes and uh, practices with a coach shooting your, what what, 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 what gun do you shoot most often? I am currently shooting a Glock 44 chambered in 9 mil. Yeah. Eight-year-old, and he goes through hundreds of rounds with a trainer. Excellent job. He's just getting into, uh, he wants to start getting into, you know, competition. Probably probably something, you know, IPSC or IDPA or something along those lines. Um, what advice do you have for him or for anybody that wants to get into uh, competition shooting? You know, probably the, the best advice that I was given was to keep it fun. Um, you know, shooting is one of those sports that you can do your entire life. I mean, look at, look at Jerry Mitchell. Like he's been doing it forever. And uh, because you can do it so long, you have to make sure that you, you love it and enjoy it. Otherwise, um, if you get burnt out, then, you know, it's, it's hard to stick with it long term. Interesting. So how do you keep it? What do you do to keep it fun? Uh, well, I don't know if, if you've ever visited my uh, uh, Instagram or social media pages. I have. That's I, actually I, why I'm asking, basically. <laughs> yeah. It, so talk about some of the things you do to keep it fun that you that you show on your, your IG and, and other social media. Yeah. So uh, as a three-time Olympian, having competed and trained at the highest level in sport, um, it's easy to get burnt out at have, having done that as with the regular training. And so what I do is I'll, I'll put in the, the work with the regular training, you know, the build drills and the um, repetitions and dry fire and stuff like that. But at the end of every practice, I, I give myself some sort of challenge and it's usually a trick shot. You know, um, my twin sister will come up with something or I'll come up with something and then I'll, I'll try it out and, and, um, Sometimes it's successful, sometimes not, but it's always uh, something to look forward to at the end of training. Well, I mean, it's got to be frustrating. I mean, you're on the road, you go halfway across the country, you know, enter a competition, you know, you got to, you know, pull into the hotel or whatever, and you got to go to this new place you've never been, and you got to sign up and blah, 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 blah. You know, that stuff's wearing. That stuff wears you out. And then if you don't have a good day, you know, or you're getting halfway through the competition and things just aren't going your way and you know, that's got to be like, how do you, what do you do? Like, how do you, you know, how do you keep from, uh, you know, you know, throwing your, your, you know, throwing your, your, your baseball glove down and, and going home and saying, I quit. Like, how do you, you know what I mean? How do you, how do you regulate your frustration? Yeah, it's a very good question. Cause no matter what level you're at, you're always going to get frustrated. There's, there's going to be days where you just, it's things aren't going right and, and you get frustrated, but um, you know, for me, I've always been one of those people that, that I don't quit no matter what. <laughs> yeah, nice. And, uh, you know, I have that, that drive that, um, I push myself, but I also think of the other people that help me along the way because no one, no one, uh, gets to where they're at or succeeds or anything, um, without the help of, of family and friends and coaches and, you know, things like that. So I always think about those people, um, that have 
helped me along the way, and that gives me motivation to keep going. So do you do you travel? Do you have an entourage or a group or a coach, or or is it uh, or is it just like when you're working at home, you work with your coach? No, I actually don't have a coach. It's me, myself, and I. And wow. um, when I was training for the Olympics in Bathlon, we had a had a huge entourage with the U.S. Olympic Committee and the U.S. Bathlon Association coaches and staff. But um, now, as a professional shooter, it's usually just myself. Wow. So Jackson's got a couple questions for you. What was what was the question you wanted to ask? So, um, first, what's your favorite gun to shoot? Good question. That's a really, really good question. I people ask that all the time, and and uh, I would have to say my Olympic biathlon rifle um, because it competed in three Olympics, and it's just it's very special and not not replaceable. But it's so hard because I I love shooting so much that I love every gun I'm shooting at that moment. <laughs> wow. Well, when you're doing three guns, he's got one more question. But before we before we before we go to the next question. You're you're doing three guns, so that's pistol, rifle, and shotgun. So, what typically what typically do you use? What what's your what's your go to uh, handgun when you're shooting three gun? You know, I, I shoot a staccato uh, nine millimeter and the XL, and absolutely love it. Um, handgun has always been a challenge for me. I'm you know a, a rifle shooter by trade, and and so I've been really really hammering um, hard on the training for handgun to to get better over the years. Wow. Why do you think it is? Why do you think uh, that what's what's the struggle? Why do you think there's a struggle with handgun? I think just because uh, I grew up as a long gun shooter Mm. and, uh, you know, I didn't start shooting a handgun until probably 2013, 2014. And uh, right about the time when I uh, retired from my Olympic career. And so there was a little bit of a learning curve, um, you know, switching over from long gun to a to a handgun for sure. Interesting. What, when when you're doing three gun, what's your rifle? Uh, I use a, a JP fifteen, uh, two G three. Yeah, those guys are pretty good, right? <laughs> I've heard really good things. Yeah, yeah. They they're really no one can can match their accuracy, and you know I've been shooting with them for well since 2014, and absolutely love them. I've heard that. I almost put. I was going to put a break on. Uh, on my AR, I was going to put one of their brakes on my AR, but I bought my AR uh, a long time ago, and uh, I wanted an AK. And they talked me into the guy at the shop. I didn't know what I was doing. This is over twenty years ago, and I didn't really know what I was doing. I just knew I wanted an AK because it was in Red Dawn, and uh, he talked me <laughs> into getting an AR. So I ended up getting an AR, but now I have it. It's it's got an AK seventy four brake on it, and I've I've never I refused to to go. So I have an AR with an AK brake on it, and I refuse to change. But I was looking at one of their brakes. I shot it on another friend of mine's. You don't really think about that either, um, how important a brake is. Like, what does it really, really do? And I shot one of their brakes on a friend of mine on his AR. And what it does, and maybe you can explain it better, um, is your follow-up shot, you don't have to – your gun doesn't move. If you get the right brake on your AR – and you shoot, and you got your glass and everything lined up, and you pull the trigger and do everything right, um, you don't have to re-aim, basically. Your gun stays put, right? Isn't that kind of the, kind of what you're looking for out of a good break? Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, JP has been known for that. They, their muzzle brakes and, and um, things like that, they, they've really mastered, mastered it. I mean, that's why I love their uh, PCC so much. The JP5 is, is – uh, it – 
it's basically pointed so that the gas goes straight up. So when you shoot, the gas goes up, it keeps the, the muzzle down, and there's absolutely no recoil on it. It's like shooting a twenty two. It's not, it's kind of like cheating. <laughs> it's kind of like cheating. Yeah, it was. I was very impressed. I mean, I'm not, you know, I, I don't, I'm not sponsored by them. I don't know, but I was really impressed by uh, by their break. Like I said, the only reason I, I don't have one on my AR um, is because I have, uh, you know, kind of a sentimental thing going on with my stupid AR. Now, I think that's probably a good okay. excuse, Lanny, to buy another. Maybe I should buy a second AR, right? Everybody's got to have at least two, maybe three. There you go. Well, if you talk to the guys, uh, let them know that uh, there's this little radio show out in San Diego, that, and there's a guy on there that only has one AR. So um, maybe you can. <laughs> <laughs> hint, hint. You got it. I'll put in a good word. <laughs> All right, Jackson, well, you had another question, didn't you? What were you going to ask her? Do you do any other Olympics? You know, that's that's a good question. I only competed in three Olympics in biathlon, but um, my twin sister, and I, twin sister and I have always talked about uh, jumping into another sport for, you know, summer or, you know, things like that. But um, Greco-Roman wrestling? We have to, you know, or ping pong. I'm, oh. Okay, ping pong. Really? Seriously? That's pretty really? interesting. Do you, 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 do you guys really play a lot of ping pong? Yeah, yeah. We actually did quite a bit of ping pong growing up. Um, uh, we had one where our family would play. And then that besides soccer, that was another thing where, you know, you travel the world and that was kind of international language, soccer and ping pong. No matter where you went, people knew how to play both sports. That's interesting. We're, no, why did you try? You, tra- you say you traveled the world when you were a kid? Uh, travel to work for competitions. Oh, okay, for competitions. So, yeah. And there was always a ping pong table set up, huh? Always a ping pong table and, and a little soccer match somewhere. So, Lanny, it's, uh, you know, we live in California, um, at least the show's in California, and we have, most of our listeners are here in San Diego or in Southern California. It's it's a uh, it's a rough world out here for, for gun owners, you know, politically, yeah. culturally. We're doing a good job of changing that. But what advice do you have? What would you like to see gun owners do? Um, you know, how would you like them to to get involved? Or you know, what are your thoughts when you when you you know read the news and hear about the struggles of gun owners across the country? Uh, you know, what do you think? What should we be doing more of? You know, I think it's it's one of those things where uh, I, I'm from Colorado, so we have a lot of the same issues. I, I call Colorado California light because <laughs> it seems like if you guys do something, we. <laughs> It follows in our uh, state as well. But I think one of the things is is people just need to realize how important and how special the right to to bear arms is. You know, I've traveled the entire world and, and, you know, been in countries where they don't have these these rights. And, and, you know, I think a lot of Americans take that for granted. And, and, uh, you know, I think taking pride in, in the fact that that you you are a gun owner and you can do something about it you know a lot of people think oh i'm too busy i can't there's nothing i could do but you know one letter one phone call or or just something every once in a while will make a big difference yeah join an organization you know i'm i say that i'm a little probably a little biased because uh um because i run an organization i'm trying to get more people to join it um, but I got to tell you, you know, help support the folks that are supporting your Second Amendment rights. Lanny, if people want to follow you, where, where should they go? Uh, they can check me out on social media, Lanny Oakley or uh, LannyOakley.com. All right. Hey, thanks a lot for coming in. It was great. Great talking to you, folks. This is Gun Owners Radio. 
FM 961 AM 1170. The answer. Hi, folks. Welcome back to Gun Hunters Radio. FM 961 AM 1170. The answer. So, hey, we're going to talk about something really cool this segment. We just haven't decided what yet. So, uh, stay tuned and you'll find out when we find out. All right. Hey, a lot of companies waste a lot of money and their web on their website. The reason why is because they just don't have a clear message. You are wasting money if you don't have a clear message. Well, Sage Tree gets it. Since 2005, Sage Tree has been helping companies connect with customers here in San Diego and across the nation. Contact them today to get a better return on investment from your marketing dollars. Go to sagetree.com to learn a whole lot more. You know, I was thinking, Joe, you know how they talk about mostly peaceful protests. I, yes. I, I don't think that what's going on in Ukraine, I don't think we should call that an invasion. We should call it a, a mostly peaceful military action. Yeah, you're probably late. Uh, there's probably stations that are already doing that. <laughs> well, it depends, though, on who's uh, on, I guess, who the bad guy is. That 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 determines whether it's a mostly peaceful protest or not. I well, think. that's the that's the interesting part to me is, you know, who the bad guy is in this. I actually put up a, I put up a, it's supposed to be, you know, a smart aleck, tongue in cheek. Uh, a little hey, c- comment. Hey, on, Michael, I yes. liked it, okay? Your Facebook post was hilarious. <laughs> Thank you. So I, I, what I said was deciding which are the good guys between Russia and Ukraine is like deciding who are the good guys between the Oakland Raiders and the Las Vegas Raiders. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And the, the point of that, I think, was lost on a lot of people. I, I got to tell you, I was kind of surprised. I was really shocked at, at the comments. I mean... All, it, it's the same thing, though. Um, you know, every time there's an issue, people draw a line in the sand, and it's uh, you know, it's like pick one. And if if you know, if you if you pick one of these, there's not a third option. There's not a fourth option. You can don't bother to try to you know dig in and explain why you're picking one or the other. And oh, by the way, if you pick the wrong one, then you know you hate children, you hate the troops, you hate America. It's it's so ridiculous. But I'm watching. Now, obviously, I think that people that are, are supporting Ukraine are supporting a couple things. They're supporting the idea that invading a country is wrong, right? Which, yeah. You would hope. Yeah, yeah I mean, invading a country is wrong. You're right. Okay, gotcha. Uh, but number two, they just hate Russia, you know? Okay, I'm not a fan, you know? I, I My favorite movie's Red Dawn, right? Not a fan <laughs> of Russia. But they're like... You know, to turn the Ukraine and their government into heroes is absolutely foolish and ridiculous. I mean, there really isn't much of a good guy here. Ukraine, not good guys. Sure Russia, certainly not good the guys. They're better guys than they were. And the, the current president is Hey, he's moving, a comedian. Well, he's moving in the right direction anyway. I guess he's he is less bad than the last uh, regime that was there. Low but, bar, but yeah. <laughs> yeah well, I mean, yeah. maybe he's less... Gee, I mean, we, we we don't support low bars around here. Uh, oh God, do we support do we, low bars? Who do we uh, replace Saddam with? You know, it's uh, we do that. Well, you know, so that's the other thing. I was talking to a buddy of mine. And I think something that people find interesting. Another thing that got lost on this this series of comments on my Facebook page um, is uh, I was talking to a buddy of mine. He, big long career in the uh, Pentagon, um, combat vet. He was in the Army. Uh, really, really smart guy. Really, really well informed. The interesting thing, and I'm paraphrasing from a conversation. I don't want to say I'm quoting him or whatever. 
But basically, the the narrative from Russia is not, hey, we're invading and annexing uh, the Ukraine. It's It's... Hey, we are going into Ukraine to liberate them from a horrible dictator who stole an election. Which is, you know, okay. Familiar. <laughs> right? <laughs> isn't, isn't that the whole thing? It's like, well, that's an interesting message. And y- y- you got to start. I, I'm not saying, you know, I, I don't know. It just feels like when it's our bad guy, we're, we're cool with it. When it's, but when it's, you know, when, when it's the other person's bad guy, then. You know, oh my gosh, there is a distinct possibility that maybe we should just go, hey, you know what? This is a domestic issue. Let's just stay out. Well, why are we even messing with it? That's kind of what I'm saying. I mean, they don't belong to NATO. I mean, why? Well, they are an amazingly important source of revenue for the Biden family. So that's my case. Yeah, and it's again, it's not not so much. You know, you have to look at the people there. I mean, those those people that are actually suffering through this, the ones that are Agreed. being wiped out now, the hundred thousand or so that are scrambling across the border. Yeah, um, you know, they don't really have a choice. I mean, it's it's not like the stupid people in this country that had a choice and we picked what we picked. Right. Um, you know, a lot of times they they didn't have the choice now, and it's you know it's unfortunate. Because you've got, you know, you've got a bad government and a worse government, I guess, duking it out. But the, but the people there are the ones that are suffering. I agree with you 100% there, Joe. Honestly, the people there. And I also kind of feel sorry for the 20-year-old Russian soldier who's just like was told, hey, you're going to be a soldier. You know, get on the, get on the truck, let, you know, drive to the Ukraine and, and go kill some people. Yeah, but I mean that's that's what we have in this world, and I, and I think we get we get lost over here in this country, mm-hmm. and you forget that there's there are truly evil people in this world. Yes. I mean, there really, really, truly are, and Putin is one of them. Yep. The communist Chinese are another bunch, and what keeps them in check, you know, and you can laugh about this, you know, liberals say what they say, but it's a strong America, and and you know we really do lead these people in spite of what the Europeans might think. And if we're perceived as weak, which we are right now, yeah. you know, yeah. they, they do what they need to do. And, and, you know, if you look at Putin, Putin's a KGB guy. That's what he was his entire career. He was the head of the KGB in East Germany when that went under. And, you know, he, were, he uh, is unhappy that the Soviet Union is gone. And he's, you know, looking to get that back. I mean, that's what he's been doing. And he has an opportunity now. He's got a four-year window to do that and we're seeing that kind of stuff and you know the chinese are another scary thing they really really want taiwan are they going to do something like that now and it's you know it's unfortunate i would rather see the americans stay out of all this stuff too but you can't and you know the problem is when we stay out it, it kind of creates a vacuum and other people step in and yep. we and are that's the police. what happens we are and the it's, police it stinks but that's how it is well one of the things that was interesting somebody brought up the point that you know a few years ago they told the ukraine hey get rid of your your nukes and number one by the way the reason we wanted ukraine to not have nukes is they weren't weren't you know they're not good people you know, or, you know i mean they're not a good government i should say i don't want to get too judgmental if you're ukrainian i'm you know you're a fine person i'm sure but um now there you, you get invaded you know if you don't have the ability to defend yourself and i think that there is a that's a macro uh example of a micro lesson that people should learn is never ever ever give up your ability to defend yourself well they could have gave up the nukes and replaced them with what they don't have but you being a half full glass kind of guy you would be thrilled to be in ukraine 
What's that? You get a new gun. Yeah, that's what I heard. And ammo. <laughs> yeah, they're giving out guns well, and ammo. The opposite of a buyback now. <laughs> right, they're giving them to you. Well, you know, I I try not to be political or anything like that, but, you know, there's, there's why? I mean, what is the United States' reason for helping them? Other than being the cop of the of the of well, the world, what, or, what or help he, are we actually giving them? Uh, we're not oh, wait, really hold on, say the Ukrainian in the box. No, no, I'm sorry. not the Ukrainian. Hold on. You look like just, one. Oh, thank you. <laughs> but I was just going to say, and what's Biden do, uh, doing to try to see what he can do to help? He asked China yesterday well, to help with the whole situation. Why would China be involved at this point? I don't understand. Like they're against us in the first place, so. It's it's the equivalent of me pu- going up to a kid and punching him, and then realize, oh, I'm in trouble. Quick, kid! I told you that I, I know I did punch you that one time, but maybe uh, you yeah. can let me off this. Just one don't time. say nothing. Exactly. Yeah. So it makes no sense. Follow the money. Yep, that's exactly. Follow what, the money. Yeah, we'll be couldn't done agree with. more. Couldn't yeah. agree more. Well, I but I think I, selling them arms isn't even a. You know, are we selling them arms? We should. I'm or all for we that. Giving them arms. Well, I think we should probably sell, but uh, you know, I'm all for giving people the ability Ways to defend to protect themselves. themselves. Yeah, send them well, stinger missiles. But look at Russia's uh, war war machine. Well, I'll did be, you hear about the, the you hear about the paratroopers? No. Well, they, they landed in in Ukraine in an elementary school. No, and they oh. walked up to some Ukrainians and said, "Excuse me." Can you uh, show me where the front is? <laughs> and they said, sure, turn around. And they handcuffed them, and they're prisoners of war. Yeah, well, so my understanding is the way that the conventional troops are fighting, the Russians' conventional troops, so not their special operations, but their conventional troops, just their ground pounders or whatever, right. it, failing miserably. With their iPhones, they're texting their moms and their, their girlfriends, they're leaving, they're dropping their weapons. I'm hearing, I'm hearing yeah, and they're... I'm hearing it's 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 a kind of a miserable failure. Had we ever gone to war with Russia, they don't know why they're fighting them. All well, they know is they have they're fighting them because of Putin. Well, I think they're undertrained and underfunded, and uh, you know, undermotivated. Yeah, they probably don't even know their preferred pronouns like our troops do. Huh? <laughs> well, of course not. But I mean, it, 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 it's fault. I mean, his and now the problem that I see with that is Putin's going to get really angry, and I think this is why he's bringing out his top echelon uh people and he's going to go in there and clean clean house oh i i don't know i i, the, I it start i'm wondering if you, ukraine can pull this off you know no. I, and, you know not no. over the long haul not over the long haul there's you, just nine hundred thousand against one hundred and twenty thousand. you think there's gonna be a second wave i did read an article that a yes. couple of uh multi-billionaires russian billionaires are coming out and saying hey you know what we don't want this we no don't want because this we just locked up their money well, exactly. I mean, listen, I got to tell you, capitalism is, you know, the most peaceful, uh, you know, mm-hmm. economic uh, uh, deterrent. Ex- well, yeah. I mean, you know, if you look at all the economic uh, yachts, rent, homes, you can't make money in the middle of a war. Unless no, if you you're take away my yacht, you're going to take away my my my. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that may be the way to go. I mean, that's what set this up in the first place. Us, you know, we were energy independent a couple of years ago, right? And now we are no longer. And we buy. And I thought I thought I saw five hundred and twenty nine thousand barrels a month from and then, from from oil? Russia. From Russia. And then somebody showed me it was like five hundred thousand a day. No, it's, Jeez, a, it's from a day. There. It's and, a day. And I mean that we we funded this. I mean we've we've made him wealthy like that. And, and there was a California politician that went on the news and said, 
no, 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 no. We don't need to open up any pipelines. This is not an. This is not affecting the price of fuel. <laughs> well, I just thought it was. I, I can't believe everybody. I mean, I don't know. I, I understand the overall point that they're they're trying to make as far as invasions go. But, yeah. Yeah, but you can get a new Ukraine, gun. You, you well, get on an airplane. I didn't know that before. Maybe I'm on Team Ukraine now. Get on an airplane. <laughs> oh, go come over there. On, Mike. <laughs> Jackson's going. I can be bought. You want to go to Ukraine? Get a free gun. Go get a free gun and a box of bullets. Yeah. All right, we got to take a quick break. It's gun Owners Radio. FM Welcome back to Hour 2 of Gun Owners Radio with your hosts, Dave Stahl, Joe Germisi, and Michael Schwartz. Visit GunOwnersRadio.com with your questions and comments or to learn how to become a sponsor of the show. Time to get involved and get active. Together, we will win. Now here's Dave, Joe, and Michael on The Answer San Diego. All right, folks. Welcome to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1. AM 1170. The answer. Tyranny in the Second Amendment. Let's talk about it with Joe Dramisi next. But first, PRMIMortgagePrimeRes.com slash Alpine. Are you in the military? Are you looking for help for a VA loan? And if you're looking to buy or refi, or if you're just considering the reverse mortgage, call our local mortgage guy that you can trust. Call Chris Wiley at PRMI Mortgage. For nearly 25 years, Chris has been helping local San Diegans with all their mortgage needs. Call Chris Wiley at 619-722-1303 or primeraz.com slash alpine. All right, Joe. We're ready? Yeah, ready. All right. So, um, yeah, we started talking about this a little bit last week, um, tyranny in the Second Amendment. Um, but we talk about government uh, by consent, by consent of the people. That's how we describe our government. And the question is, you know, is it still government by consent if the people can't say no? If you don't have your ability to say no, then what does consent mean? So started thinking about that when, um, and again, this got, I published this a couple of days ago on um, the getagrip.substack.com site and also on our San Diego County gun owners blog page. Um, but the, uh, you know, I was thinking about this with the, uh, the, truck, uh, the truck drivers um, protest up in Canada and what Trudeau had done where he invoked, I guess, his Mer- Emergency Powers Act. And that gave him sweeping powers, actually, to go after these protesters who really were peaceful protesters by all accounts. Um, I mean, you know, some of the media and stuff were trying to say, uh, you know, they were Nazis and they were this and they were that. But they, uh, by most accounts, by most rational accounts, they were just peaceful protesters. Uh, did they tie things up? Yes, certainly they did. Um, they had an effect, but it looks like, you know, most of the Canadians were behind them. And, um, you know, Trudeau uh, enacted, I guess, his uh, Emergency Powers Act, which gave him sweeping authority. And some of the things uh, that they were doing, you know, aside from a kind of violent response uh, from their police up there, uh, you know, there, were one, there was one uh, clip there with uh, their horses, I guess, were trampling through uh, protesters 
and they they happened to trample a uh, looked like an older handicapped woman, and um, you know so they were responding pretty violently, uh, and then they were freezing um, bank accounts and things like that, and they made the announcement that you know it was anybody uh, that was even remotely friendly towards or supporting these protesters, and um, you know and all that was a little bit earlier uh, in the week, and that's since uh, gotten resolved, and he's backed off on it. But, you know, the thought is, you know, when you look at places like that, um, like Canada, uh, if you look at what's happened over the last couple of years with all the COVID stuff, uh, in countries that we generally view as, as democracies and free countries, places like Australia, uh, like New Zealand, like a lot of the European countries, like the United States, uh, we've had a lot of our rights just trampled under the, you know, in the name of this COVID thing and these emergency powers. And uh, it's really interesting how, um, you know, I think how fragile our rights are. And when we look at the Second Amendment, you know, that's what the Second Amendment is there for, really. It's, it's the, the people's ultimate way of saying no. Uh, we give our consent. We elect these, uh, we elect these politicians uh, to office to represent us. And then we agree that, okay, we'll abide by your laws. You make the laws. You do that stuff. And we'll allow ourselves to be governed by you. Um, if we're not happy with that, then we have our elections and we can put new people in. Um, but when you have, uh, you know, when you have politicians, I guess, that can wipe that kind of stuff out and enact these, say, emergency powers that allow them to do pretty much anything they want to do under the guise of, uh, you know, for your own safety. Because that's what we heard all through the COVID stuff. And if you look back through dictators and authoritarian governments and all that stuff throughout history, they always start like that. It always starts that we're doing these things for your safety, to keep you safe. And, you know, I don't want to go through and use the, the Hitler example and stuff, but, I mean, that's exactly what they did there. They do that all around the place. And it's interesting, you know, you would think that that kind of stuff can't happen here in the United States. Uh, Senator Rand Paul came out um, last week and said, you know, we have – our president has the same, essentially the same powers that Trudeau had. He could do exactly the same thing down here. And, um, and this has been something, this isn't a new thing. Uh, Rand Paul was saying they were trying to get rid of that uh, back when Trump was president. And uh, they just weren't able to. Um, and it's interesting when you look at the reaction of people. There was a, a Trafalgar poll that came out last week. And um, they talked to, uh, or what they did, first off, they went through and they looked at just, um, they took a group of uh just voters in general in America, registered voters. And it turned out that about 55% of uh, the voters they talked to uh, disapproved of uh, what was going on in Canada with the, you know, the action the government was taking, and, um, which I, I kind of think is a little bit low. But uh, they found 55% of voters in general disapproved of that. But then what's interesting is when they, they limit it to uh, Republican voters and you have a disapproval rate of about 87%, which to me, you know, that makes more sense because um, I think people generally that consider themselves Republicans, not the Republican Party, but people that generally consider themselves uh, Republicans tend to be more conservative and tend to be um, more aware of rights and individual rights, and they seem to be more supportive of that. When they looked at independent voters, um, there was a 74% disapproval rate, which again, I think makes sense uh, with, you know, independents the way they might think. What's interesting is when they um, they looked at the Democrat voters, they limited the Democrat voters, and they found 66% approving 
of the actions that the Trudeau government took. Wow. 66% approved. Yeah. That's high. Democrat voter. Well, it's interesting because does that mean that, you know, one way to say this is that they, you know, that side of the aisle uh, tends to crave authoritarian governments. Is that, is that what they're saying there? Um, because when you look at that kind of stuff, you know, the, well, we, we were joking about the mostly peaceful protest thing. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, peaceful. we went, we went through what, six, eight months of actual real riots, burning down cities all across the country, uh, people being assaulted. There was a number of people murdered, um, billions of dollars in damage, and, and our corrupt media is calling that mostly peaceful protesting. With the truckers in Canada, that actually was peaceful <laughs> protest. That's what we're supposed to do in this kind of society. You know, we have that ability to protest like that peacefully. And yet that's, you know, you see the heavy-handed reaction to that kind of stuff. And, you know, you have to wonder, is that, could that happen down here? Um you know, it'll be interesting on, I think, Tuesday. We have our own little truckers uh, protest going on. I don't think it's going to be as, as popular, say, or I don't think it's going to get as big as what they did in Canada. But they're supposed to roll into Washington on, I think, Tuesday. That's State I of the didn't Union. know that. Tuesday. Is that happening? Uh, I think it's bigger than what you think, my oh, friend. We'll yeah. see. I mean, I don't, you know. Because they're coming from all points. They're supposed to be, yeah. It's, and, and I don't. And I they already to, put the fence back up around the White House. Yes. Uh, yeah. The first drop of the hat there. You right. know, it's, oh, yeah, we got to put fences back up. Uh, and, and they uh, said, that the Biden administration said they will not put up with this. They've already alerted the. The, uh, well, see, and that's what, and again, they, they will not put up with peaceful protests, nope. Nope. but but riots, riots are okay, you know, well, depending on who's well, doing the rioting. So peaceful, bad, mostly peaceful, good. <laughs> <laughs> but they've already got the National Guard on alert. They, I mean, every, they're getting ready. This is all going to happen in Washington, D.C. Huh? Uh-huh. Yeah, I think, because I think Tuesday night's the State of the Union, so I think that's when they were planning to get there, because the truckers are saying they what they want to do is lock up the Beltway all around Washington. Um, and it'll be interesting, you know, to see if they do But, I mean, that that is peaceful protest. That's what we're supposed to be doing in this country. When uh, You remember when we were having the mostly peaceful protests, um, and even here in San Diego, uh, freeways were blocked. They blocked streets, they blocked freeways, and, you know, police really didn't do much about that. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if uh, do you have that kind of response in Washington. We'll see. It's like it's like a, a plot of like an '80s movie. All these truckers, you know, and Convoy and BJ McKay <laughs> and his best friend Bear and everything. The whole thing this is great. Everything's coming back. Everything from my childhood's coming back. <laughs> truckers and you know Soviet Union and it's great. We need the sheriff from what was it smoking the bandit? The, there you uh, go. <laughs> the uh, the, band, the sheriff and his son. All right. All right, folks. <laughs> Welcome back. You're listening to Gun Owners Radio. FM 96.1, AM 1170, The Answer. All right, folks. Hey, welcome to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170, The Answer. Gun control is just another phrase for victim disarmament. Nikki became a Second Amendment activist and victim's right advocate after the brutal murder of her husband, Ben, by a man that had been stalking her. We're going to talk to her next. So, folks, clean, lube, and protect your guns faster and easier with Seal One. Seal One CLP Plus is also natural, non-toxic, and environmentally friendly. 
Are you tired of smelling like a gas station after cleaning your gun? Well, try Seal One. Ask for it by name at your local gun stop, shop. And if they don't have it, ask them to get it. Clean your guns faster and better with Seal One. Okay, the executive director of the Crime Prevention Research Center, which is uh, someone that, uh, another person you've all heard of, uh, who uh, heads up one of the other people involved, I should say, in the Crime Prevention Research Center is John Lott, who's done a ton of research when it comes to uh, gun issues and that sort of thing. But we're going to talk to the executive director, Nikki Gozer. Nikki, are you there? Yes. Hi there. Is this Michael? Yes, ma'am. How are you? Hey, I'm doing all right. Thanks for having me on. Nice to talk to you. Nice to talk to you. Thank you so much for, for coming on. Very much appreciate it. Why don't we just start with, uh, talk a little bit about the Prime, excuse me, Crime Prevention Research Center. Sure. The Crime Prevention Research Center, it's a tongue twister, I know. Um, we are a nonprofit organization. We look at changes in laws across the nation and how they impact crime rates, uh, mm. in particular gun laws. But you can visit our website. It is crimeresearch.org. And what's the, I think one of the most, uh, I think probably the, the broadest thing that's come of, of John Lott's research that people are most surprised by or maybe had the biggest impact is the, the concept that, you know, more guns, less crime. Wouldn't you say? I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a pretty big, maybe it's counterintuitive to a lot of people uh, at first glance, but it's, it's definitely, I think it's kind of his biggest mark, wouldn't, wouldn't, you, wouldn't you say? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's just we have found time and time again that those places that that have more freedom or more law-abiding people, good people, can carry in more places, um, you see a, a drop in crime. Um, you know, bad guys, they are not stupid. They can be very smart. And bad guys don't want to be confronted by someone who they perceive to be a victim, but that victim uh, has a way to stop them. Wow. So as the executive director of the organization, like what, what, what are some of your duties? What, what's, what are your, what are you attempting to do for the organization? Oh gosh, I do a little bit of everything. I help manage the website, our database, correspondence, emails, phone calls. I go testify, um, where I'm needed. I give talks. I write opinion pieces. I do interviews like I'm doing with you. I try to educate the public as best as I can. Um, what was it last year? I went and testified before Congress against red flag laws, um, which a lot of people, they think, oh, my gosh, how can that be? You're a victim of a violent crime. Your husband was murdered right in front of you by a stalker. Somebody like you should be all for red flag laws. And I'm like, no, no, I'm not. And I had to explain. And it made perfect sense to Congress. The Democrats didn't even question me. They stayed away from me. But um, now, when you when you're yeah. talking about red flag laws, that's a really broad term. But most specific is 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 the most common form uh, the gun violence restraining orders. Is that what they're? Is that the specific proposal that they're talking about? No, Congress. Well, the Democrats are wanting to incentivize uh, more and more states to take on their own red flag laws. Um, and I don't I don't want to see that expanded at all because it's it's unconstitutional. Due process does not happen first. Your rights are taken from you first. Um, you're guilty automatically right up front. 
and somehow you've got to prove that you're innocent. And that's not the way it's supposed to work in this country. You're innocent until you're proven guilty. And we already have laws. And I explained this to Congress. We already have laws on the books right now that would address these issues with, you know, mental health, uh, people that are perceived to be dangerous. You're concerned someone's dangerous. You know, Florida has a law on the books it's called the Baker Act. But yeah. it's basically an involuntary commitment type law. Every state has it. They call it different things in different states. But, you know, it's pretty much the same. And it's available in every state. And if you truly believe that someone is a danger to themselves or others and you have proof of that, then you know what? You can go before a judge and provide that proof, and then they can put that person on a 72-hour hold. A mental health expert is actually involved. That's not the case with red flag laws. And they evaluate the person, and they determine, you know, does this person truly have a problem? Are they dangerous? And then the person goes before a judge, and that judge will make a determination based on the facts whether this person needs to be committed, is this person dangerous? Do they need you know, to go to outpatient treatment? Should they have guns taken away from them? Um, but that due process happens before you lose your rights. And we can be using these laws right now. Um, I don't understand why people feel the need to you know, expand red flag laws. I think it's unconstitutional. It's not fair. And I also explained that it can really have a really horrible negative impact on victims of violent crime. Tell us about, about that. Well, you think about, you know, people that go through horrific, traumatic situations, you know, good people. Uh, are you going to be depressed? Yeah. Yeah. You know what? That's normal. Um, you would not be normal if you were not depressed, is what I would say. That's a natural human reaction. Um, are you going to have whatever people call PTSD, you know, trauma, stress? Yeah, you are. It doesn't automatically mean that you're a danger to yourself or others. Um, I think it could have a, a very bad impact on the very people who may need to protect themselves right away. You know, you're a victim of a violent crime. They don't keep these bad guys locked up. These guys are let back out. So Nikki, their target's going to be Nikki. This is Joe. When, when you point out this kind of, you know, these arguments to the people that are advocating these laws and things, what's, what's the response? I mean, how do they, how do they try to justify or, or rationalize their position like that? Because you know, a lot of those laws, you know, and especially in your case, too, it was just, you know, what happened was just tragic. And these these ridiculous gun control laws actually make it more dangerous for more people than anything else. But when you you put that logical argument to them, what's the response? Well, of course, you know, uh, Republicans and, uh, liber you know, libertarians, they they agree with me. Democrats stay away from me. They don't. Generally, they do not want to debate me on that. Um, but, you know, I'll point this out to you, waiting period. That one just is so stupid, a waiting period. Okay. In terms of, I don't know, mass public shooters, you know, people that want to do great harm to many, many people and get a high body bag count, 
anyone that has studied the manifestos of these people, because they're out there, these guys write about what they're going to do. Um, they plan this stuff, you know, months in advance, sometimes years in advance. A waiting period is not going to stop them. But I tell you what a waiting period will do. It will prevent a woman who is being stalked, someone who's dealing with a domestic violence situation. She's just left her husband who's abusive or an ex, you know, and she's got to get a gun quickly to protect herself. She's in fear for her life. A waiting period will stop her from being able to get a gun quickly to protect her life and her loved ones. No, exactly. And, you know, it's interesting you bring that up now because I'm in the middle of my waiting period at this uh, very moment. So it's like, um, you know, if I wanted to harm somebody with a firearm and uh, apparently I couldn't, I couldn't use one of the 20 firearms I already have, I have to go buy a new one. But then the 10-day waiting period will let me calm down so that won't happen. But, uh, yeah, it's like you're saying, it's just, these, these laws endanger people. They don't make it any safer for anybody. You know why we're, we're particularly focused on red flag laws, why we want you to talk about that, is I don't know if you remember a few years ago in the Huffington Post, I'm pretty sure, there was an op-ed by the city attorney of San Diego where she talked all about expanding red flag laws, in, not just in San Diego, but across California and hopefully across the nation. And her name was Mara Elliott. I don't, do you remember that? No, I can't say I do. So she's extremely, extremely anti-gun. She's the city attorney here in San Diego, and her her right hand man is a guy named John Hemmerling, and he was is has been extremely aggressive in expanding the red flag laws, and uh, he's running for sheriff of San Diego County, and he's actually I know you were, you were talking a lot about the difference between Republicans and Democrats. He is the endorsed candidate for the Republican Party. And his, I know his, and his career was basically for the last few years was expanding uh, gun violence restraining orders. It, it's everything's backwards out here in, in California. I'll tell you. So that's why yeah, we're particularly yeah. interested. That's why we wanted you to talk about it. We've been talking about it a lot. Um, he's a catastrophe waiting to happen. We're hoping he uh, he's not qualified, so we're hoping that he won't get any traction. But just just being endorsed by the Republican Party here in San Diego has at least made him, you know, a possibility. And it's, it's scary. I think he's he, they, the other, the other two uh, leading candidates are Democrats, both pro-gun, both pro-CCW. Um, definitely have nowhere near the view on, on uh, red flag laws that, uh, that the Republican does, that John Hemmerling does. But it's a scary situation. Everything you said is completely accurate. It's a very scary situation. Um, it is very scary. And people don't stop and think, you know, what better way for an abuser to disarm someone that they want to harm than a red flag law. You know, think about that. And I'm not saying that it's only women that are victims, but men can also be domestic violence victims and victims of stalking. But in general, um, the majority of the time, it is women that are stalked and women that are abused in general. But regardless, Whoever is being abused, if they have a firearm and they, let's say they've left their partner, their abusive partner, they've moved, they've got their own apartment, their own house, they're armed now, and their ex that was abusing them knows they have a gun, well, they can just use a red flag law to disarm them, and then they can harm them, and that person has no way to protect themselves. Hey, Nikki. Yes. Hey, we got to take a small, small break. 
but don't you go anywhere, okay? Okay. All right, you folks, you're listening to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The Answer. Hi, folks. Welcome back. You're listening to Gun Owners Radio, FM 961, AM 1170. The answer. Uh, turn the page there, Hot Rod. <laughs> okay, oh, it's all about me. Hey, we're really proud to partner with the National Concealed Carry Association as a 10-ring partner. NCCA exists to serve the Second Amendment community by providing nationwide a nationwide network of two-way advocates. They offer elite self-defense and concealed carry training from the nation's top instructors. They provide rock-bottom prices on the best selection of gear and accessories. Join them today. Members get great prices, free shipping. You can learn a whole lot more. Just go to nationalconcealedcarryassociation.com. Okay, we're talking to Nikki Gozer from the... Uh, from the uh, What's the exact name? The Crime Prevention Research Center... Uh, John Lott uh, and his uh, his work. She's the executive director, and having a great conversation with her. I really, really appreciate it. I want you to talk talk about your story in here in just a couple minutes, but I wanted to ask you a couple questions. First off, do you carry every day? Yes, absolutely. You carry every single day. All right. Well, my uh, my co-host here, uh, Action Jackson, has got a question for you. He he wants the he's got a question for you. Go for it, Jackson. What's your favorite gun? Oh, my favorite gun? Yep. That's a tough one because my favorite gun is not a gun that you would actually carry on you every day for self-defense. My favorite gun is my Henry Golden Boy Lever Action 22 rifle. <laughs> nice. <laughs> you're the second That's person my favorite gun. You're the second person we've asked today and the second person that uh, picked a, a 22 caliber. That's interesting. Yeah, that's a fun plinking gun. I love it. What part? It's I forget, accurate too. I forget which part of the country are you in. I'm in Tennessee. You're in Tennessee, so it's it's easy to get a carry license in Tennessee, right? Yeah, and we actually just passed um, constitutional carry. So this year we've started carrying without permits. Of course, I've got my permit, and I'll continue to have one because I travel a lot and I need it for reciprocity purposes. But you know, I feel like you know I struggled. I'm going to be honest with you. And some people might kind of cringe about this, but I'm just going to tell you the truth. There for a while, yeah, I actually struggled with the whole constitutional carry thing because in my mind at the time, I'm thinking, gosh, you know, training is so important. And what if, what if people start carrying and they don't really understand gun safety and, you know, it could just be a huge hot mess. And the more I thought about this, I thought, what other rights do you have to pay the government for? Like, you should not have to pay the government for a permit so that you can carry. You don't have to pay the government anytime you want to speak. You don't, you don't have to pay the government when you want to vote. I mean, you should be able to carry. And it took a while for me to actually accept constitutional carry. But I do now because I feel like we have the right to protect ourselves. It is our Second Amendment right. And it's the one right that protects all other rights. 
and you should not have to pay the government in order to take part in that right. Um, Do I think that you need training? Yes, absolutely. But that is something that you should do on your own as a responsible, law-abiding citizen. Get the training. Know what you're doing. Understand the laws on justifiable use of force on self-defense because you can get yourself in a world of trouble if you don't know what you're doing. So, so Nikki, I went through the same thing for, I took a little different direction on it because, um, I wrote about that, uh, a couple of months ago and, um, we had Chris Chang, uh, from uh, top shot. And then we had Ursula Williams. They were both on the show. She's a competitive shooter from Arizona. And, um, I had mentioned, you know, I, I was writing about, um, I think constitutional carry. And I mentioned that reservation and it was exactly the same thing about the training and um, because, you know, I, I teach that stuff. I write about it all the time and I'm real big on training. And I my fear is that, OK, constitutional carry, people won't understand the laws necessarily. And they there's a danger, you know, they can get themselves in trouble. And um, both Chris and Ursula, you know, immediately jumped on it and said the same thing. Basically, they said it's not the state's responsibility to take care of these people and make sure they do what they're supposed to do. You know, you're supposed to be responsible. If you're going to carry a gun, it's up to you to do the things that you need to do. And I discovered that, yeah, I, I probably felt that way. I just didn't know I felt that way. But uh, I have reservations too until that day in the studio. And now I'm, I'm pretty much on board with it. I don't have those reservations anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, at least Dr. Lott, I'm not the I'm not the statistics ex- expert that he is, <laughs> but who is according to <laughs> according to Doctor Lott, these states that you know have passed constitutional carry, they actually see uh, more people getting permits just because they want the training and they want the permit for reciprocity. I, it, it is important. I, it, it's you know, um, it is important. I, we we teach people how to get their CCWs here in San Diego. And we spend a significant portion of the seminar um, pushing the idea of how important it is to get the training, not necessarily the marksmanship, you know, um, but learning the laws, learning the uh, legalities and ethics of lethal force, that kind of stuff. That's what's really important. Oh, absolutely. Let me tell you, my um, my firearms trainer, I, I actually got my handgun carry permit back in April of 2008. And um, my trainer, he was ex-law enforcement. He was actually on the bomb squad. He was kind of a little bit scary, but really cool, if that makes any sense. Um, and um, he, That's how I describe Jackson here. So, yeah, I yeah. make sense. <laughs> he scared the crap out of us in class. <laughs> he would show us really horrible, awful videos. Of really horrible, awful things that can happen. Jeez. And he would he would show us um, uh, different scenarios of self defense and shoot don't shoot scenarios. And he'll he'll stop the video and say, "Okay, do you think the guy had the right to shoot that person?" And we're like, "Well, no, that was like murder." And then he shows you a different angle of uh, the camera. He yeah. replays it, and he's like, "Actually, he was totally justified, and here's why." So. You have to be real careful about what you see on the news, too, because sometimes they don't tell the whole story. What? Are you serious, Nikki? 
That almost sounds like um, it almost sounds like they're almost hiding something. I know, right? Or like they're pushing a narrative. They're trying to get you to believe something that, right? Yep. Yeah. So what? Do you, now what do you? What is the big? Uh, what are you guys attempting to do? I guess if you if you had to sum up, like, hey, our organization wants to accomplish this or wants to be this. You know, how would you describe it? You guys, endlessly interesting information. Well, I've met Doctor Lot before. Um, I've listened to his lectures. I've read his books. Great guy. Great information. But what exactly is the organization looking? To, you know, trying to do? Well, I can tell you what I'm trying to do. Sure. I can't speak for John, but I can tell you that. From my point of view, we're trying to educate um, the public and legislators, lawmakers around the country so that they understand that gun ownership is not bad. Legal, law-abiding people, good people owning guns um, and being able to protect themselves and their loved ones, um, it has an effect. And it means that there's less crime and um, there's less victims. And that's meaningful. And unfortunately, the mainstream media, you know, they fail to tell the public the truth in so many of these mass public shootings. It's like 94% of these mass public shootings happen in gun-free zones. They're not going to tell the public that, but there are places where no one can carry to protect themselves. These people are sitting ducks. That's a crazy high statistic. 94% is not a... That's not an accident. Like but, that's you know. It's, but but Nikki, if you were going to go shoot, where would you shoot? You would shoot in an area where they weren't going to shoot back. They're not going to shoot back, and our government hasn't quite figured that out yet. Well, let me tell you how gun control impacted my life. Um, back in two thousand nine, my husband Ben was murdered right in front of me by a man who was stalking me. And at the time in the state of Tennessee, uh, you were not allowed to carry a firearm into any restaurant if they also served alcohol. So I followed that law and I left my legal permitted firearm that I normally carried for self-defense locked inside of my vehicle that night. My stalker who did not have a permit to carry brought a gun in to a gun-free zone in the middle of a busy restaurant. When I asked management to please remove him because I realized I was being stalked, he shot my husband in the head. He then stood over Ben and continued to fire six more rounds into him in front of myself, all the patrons, and security cameras. I will probably wonder for the rest of my life if I could have prevented that. Of course, I'll never know. Because I was denied a chance. I was stalked and defenseless. So I've just tried to educate people as best as I can about the real dangers of gun-free zones. That's, that's an, I've that's, heard your story before. I've heard you tell it before, and it never, never gets easy. Yeah, it's just absolutely crazy. I, I'm, I, I'm so sorry that, that happened to you, and I truly wish for 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 peace because i know I, my but this is the first time we've ever spoke but again I've, I've heard your story many times and that's the first thing that goes through my head is that for the rest of your life you're going to wonder and i truly hope 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 that you find peace yeah i would like to find peace myself but unfortunately my stalker is not allowing that um he has continued to stalk me he's just doing it from prison now Jeez. Uh, for many, many years, he has been sending twisted love letters 
and um, the feds actually just charged him last year. And he's got to go to federal court. He's facing uh, federal stalking charges now with it's an additional five years in a federal prison if he's convicted, which he will be. Yeah. How much? Is, how long is he in for now? What would that be a total? Unfortunately, it was a bench trial. There was no jury. And even after hearing all of the overwhelming evidence proving first-degree premeditated murder, the judge dropped it to second degree. He only got 23 years, and he's been allowed early release credit. So he's going to be released in less than seven years now. I'm so sorry to hear that. Uh, I appreciate everything that you guys are doing. Thank you so much. How can people find your organization and support you? You can find us at crimeresearch.org. And my book is called Stalked and Defenseless. You can purchase that at Amazon or at Barnes & Noble online. Awesome. All right. Well, you just amazing job. Thank you very much for taking time out of your day calling in and we wish you all the best and our heart goes out to you thank you keep packing you got it girl all right we're going to take a quick break you listen to gun owners radio fm 961 am 1170 the answer folks welcome back you're listening to gun owners radio fm 961 am 1170 the answer oh we are going top drawer folks we are so excited to welcome leo hamill fine jewelry as our newest sponsor mike's got a rolex and he's looking really good i don't have a rolex yeah you do it's right there i don't even have a rolodex (laughs) hey when it comes to jewelry leo hamill is the one-stop shop for all your needs rings bracelets earrings necklaces watches new pre-owned they sell it all and did you know that leo is a fierce second amendment advocate leo's also a board member of san Diego county gun owners so when you shop at leo hamels not only will you find the perfect gift for your wife or boyfriend you'll also be supporting the second amendment support the companies that support your gun rights make shopping easy and give leo a call to get their monthly catalog, 619-819-9422. Awesome selection, great service, wonderful deals. Call them at 619-819-9422. But your Rolex does look good. I don't have a Rolex. Hey, you know, the same the same people that didn't get the Dawn joke didn't get the Rolodex joke either. They probably didn't get the Rolodex joke. I got joke. it. I got it. Those don't exist anymore, do they? Actually, somebody showed me one the other day. I'm getting some business cards made. Yeah. And she whips out her Rolodex. And she said, it's the coolest thing. She'd never seen one before. I do not. Yeah. Listeners, I do not have a I don't even have I'm not even wearing a watch. I don't have a Rolex. Well, there's the one around your neck. <laughs> oh, Rolex, that's not a Rolex. Rolexes don't come in my size, Jackson. Do they? Don't, don't even touch it, Jackson. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. There you go. So kind. All right. Speaking of Rolexes. Stump my nephew. This is our our best and favorite segment. Uh, my nephew Sam is Sam the Gunman, who almost we, certainly has a Rolex. I'm sure he does. Uh, we found out years ago that uh, he is a uh, whiz when it comes to gun trivia. So if you send in a question uh, and we use it on the radio, we'll give you a hat or a shirt. If you stump him, we'll give you a super cool, uh, really neat 
grand prize. That was it, good. Could we? It's get not going to be a Rolex, by the way. Be a Rolex. <laughs> can, can we get the I'm the Wiz uh, thing from Seinfeld to uh, play for this segment now? I don't even know. Is that, is oh, that you a, haven't seen that? The no. I'm the Wiz? No. Is that, oh. a, is that a Seinfeld thing? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's a, Everything's a Seinfeld thing. <laughs> there was a point about 10, 15 years ago when I would just, in the middle of a conversation, I'd be like, hey, this is kind of like that Seinfeld episode. And inevitably, somebody would be like, oh, yeah, it is. I, I didn't see a single episode of Seinfeld. You have not seen Seinfeld. No, I didn't see a single episode. Oh yeah, I didn't see them until they were in reruns. But uh, but if you say that, <laughs> that's great, folks, ladies and gentlemen, listening, try that next time you're sitting there and people are having a conversation. Just randomly say, you know, this is kind of like that Seinfeld episode. Almost guarantee you, they'll say, oh yeah, it is. All right, where were we? All right, man. Uh, the whiz. Say yeah, the whiz. Sam, you there? <laughs> You know, this is kind of like that Seinfeld episode. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, he got a laugh. <laughs> How you doing, man? I'm all right. How are you guys? Doing well. You don't have a. Do you have a, a Rolex? He's winding it as we speak. Actually, Sam's actually a good. Okay, Sam, how old are you, buddy? Twenty-two. Twenty-two years old. What is a Rolodex? Um, a Rolodex is uh, mechanically kind of like a binder. And you use it as sort of a personal card catalog of your contacts, and uh, no one has them anymore. <laughs> hey, hey, now, hey! I got one. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, that's not your question for the for the. Uh, for the you were open. Yeah. All right, listen. IBM released the Model Fifty One Fifty personal computer in 1981. That's 41 years ago. I think it's. It, I'm not trying to pressure you, but uh, it might be worth considering an upgrade. Might might be time to to move away from uh from my Rolodex. Yeah, all right, maybe. that's fair. So what was it? The model was a fifty-one fifty. Yeah, I didn't know that. All right, all right, man. Are you ready for your question? Sure, let's have it. All right, Action Jackson is uh, he's uh, practicing your question. Go for it, buddy. You gotta. You ready to go? Yep. All right, go for yep. it. Who 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 sent it in? Colin from San Diego asks, what is a Macaro round? <laughs> I don't blame him. <laughs> so he wants to know. Why do you give him these difficult questions? He wants to know what a, what a, what a Makarov round is. M-A-K-A-R-O-V. Sounds like macaron. It does, right? Macaroni. Who wrote in the question? Uh, Colin from San Diego. We didn't make that one up. That's a, that's a real place. Colin from uh, San Diego, thanks for writing in. Um, the Makarov pistol um, was developed in Russia and is uh, to this day widely used by Russian um, and other former Eastern Bloc militaries and police forces. Um, it is typically chambered in 9 by 18 Makarov. Um, and it, it's kind of funny. Some people don't realize that there are different... Uh, Different chamberings, different cartridges with similar names. So, um, like they'll they'll buy nine millimeter Makarov and wonder why it won't fit in their uh, nine millimeter Parabellum chambered pistol. Uh, it's it's a different round. It's a different size. It's amazing. Here's what they wrote: the nine by eighteen Makarov is a Soviet pistol and submachine gun cartridge. During the later half of the twentieth century, it was a standard military pistol cartridge of the Soviet Union and the Eastern Bloc. Uh, similar to the 9x19mm Parabellum in NATO and Western Bloc military use, the 9x18 Makarov is ballistically inferior to the 9mm Parabellum. Uh, testing has indicated that the cartridge develops pressures in the mid-20K PSI range, significantly lower than the 35K PSI generated by the 
millimeter parabellum load, which nine millimeter parabellum is what all of us, you know, if we own a nine millimeter, well, most of us, but 99% of us that have a nine millimeter, that's what we're using. Excellent right, job. So you got it right, bud. Correct. That's amazing, yeah, man. Millimeter Makarov <laughs> is uh, about on par with a 380, depending on the loading. Um, it's, I think it's a little bit more powerful than a 380, but it's similar in size and similar in performance. And uh, part of the reason they developed that is because they wanted to replace um, their Tokarev pistols, which were chambered in 7.62 by 25. And that's a pretty hot round, uh, very powerful, and so it requires a pistol with a locked breech in order to fire safely. Uh, like the, the Tokarev is similar to a 1911 uh, mechanically. And so the Soviet Union realized that they wanted to be able to produce a very large number of very simple pistols. Uh, to, to save cost, because you're not fighting a war primarily with pistols. So if you can make the pistol cheaper, you can make more rifles. Um, and so they did that. They designed the 9mm Makarov, which is a little bit of a less powerful round, and it's kind of at the upper end of what you can reasonably fit into a simple blowback-operated pistol like the Makarov, which is uh, really pretty similar to a Walther PPK uh, functionally. So do you think there are Makarovs in uh, in the Ukraine right now? Oh, yeah, without question. They're, so they use it. This is standard standard issue still? Um, yeah, I don't know how many millions of the things were made, but um, it has very few parts, and it's pretty reliable, and it's actually very svelte. Um, you could concealed carry a Makarov with no problem. Uh, and so they were used very widely by a number of Eastern Bloc countries, and there are several countries um, that were in, uh, aligned with the Soviet Union to some degree that developed their own pistols around that cartridge. Um, like the, the Polish didn't use Makarovs, but they used 9mm Makarov chambered pistols. Same with Czechoslovakia. But the Makarov itself was very widely used and continues to be widely used. That's amazing. Hey, what can you tell us about the, I'm putting you on the spot, what can you tell us about the Ukraine military? Um, I don't know too terribly much about their force strength going into this conflict. Um, I, it's a mostly peaceful they, they were They were largely equipped with the same type of stuff that the, uh, the Russians had at the moment that the Soviet Union fell, because Ukraine was one of the former Soviet republics. It was actually part of the USSR. So they had all the same equipment that... Uh, the, the Soviet Union had, except that because Ukraine is a smaller country with a smaller GDP and a smaller military budget, they weren't able to modernize as much as Russia was able to. So they have basically older versions of most of the same stuff. I, they're really Now that you say that, there hasn't really been, I mean, if you go back to 1989 when the Soviet Union fell, um, you know, we were using F-16s, F, F-18s, F-15s. Um, you know, for example, um, and, uh, but now, you know, we're using what F-35s and there've been F-22s. The Russians, I don't, has there been a major development? I mean, I was just talking planes, but have, I don't really think there's been a lot of major technological advancements in the Russian military in the last 30 years. Has there? Oh, there have been, um, in aerospace. Yeah. The, the Russians are pretty good engineers and they have some fairly advanced, um, jet aircraft, fighter aircraft that they've been selling with great success to other countries. Um, because if, if you're some small developing country, uh, you want a modern air force, but you, you don't have the ability to develop the aircraft yourself. Um, and uh, the Russians have been able to 
develop some pretty advanced aircraft, but um, I, I don't know exactly how many and of what makes and models they're using right now. And do you th- so do you think everybody's using, I, I guess all the pictures I've seen too prove everyone's using an AK? Uh, yeah. Both yeah, sides of the... Without exception, pretty much. Both sides, everybody's using one. All right, well, cool, man. That's pretty interesting. I did read, I don't know, did you see that article where they, they already have an ace? They have a, uh, a, uh, a Ukrainian ace who shot down five MiGs already? I don't know if you read that article. I suspect those reports are either greatly exaggerated or based on misinformation. Um, I'm, I tend to be pretty slow to believe these kind of sensationalist reports until there's some kind of confirmation. Well, if it's true, I definitely want to kiss their ace. Sure, why not? Okay, folks. Well, hey, what? thanks a million for calling in. But hey, don't forget to support all our advertisers. San Diego County Gun Owners, U.S. Law Shield, the Dillon Law Group, PRMI Mortgage, Scott Vincent, Coldwell Banker, Royal Realty, Sage Street Web Development, National Conceal Carry Association, Seal One, Leo Hamill, Fine Jewelers. Welcome aboard, sir. Thanks to Joe Jermisi, Michael Schwartz, Sam the Gunman, Action Jackson, and Brendan Je- Thomas right here on Gun Owners Radio, FM 961, AM 1170. The, the Answer. answer. This program is sponsored by Dave Stahl.